welcome back to the Create Your World podcast. How are we doing this week, Ben? Mate, this week was a big one. I reached a, my, a major milestone, um, which I've got a bit of a story to tell about how we got there. So it's uh, an interesting one for me this week. How about you? Oh, goody. Oh, goody, boys and girls. We do love our stories, don't we? And milestones even more. I'm very excited to hear that. Well, yeah, I've got a sort of a mixed bag. I would say maybe slightly on the, on the, on the tougher, tougher end of things this week. No major breakthroughs, but uh, some potential new developments in the ether. So uh, a little bit of a mixed bag for me. But hey, let's, uh, let's hear all about your breakthrough. All right, so it's uh, we've mentioned it once before on the podcast, but I had um, so so Discover Earth, you know, uh, we we make a you know a bunch of content, lots of social media content about um, the you know just like things that are just really wonderful about the universe, right? So like uh, um, a something that was trending on the subreddit a little while ago was like this awesome you know humpback whale you know breaching out of the water in slow motion and it was just the most magical thing you've ever seen um or like a uh like a bird there's this bird called a uh called a tailor bird have you heard of the tailor bird i haven't no tailor bird yeah the tailor bird so what this what this bird does in making its nest, it actually, I don't know how, where it gets it from, but it's, it, it finds, it makes this piece of string, right? Mm. And it pierces like this, like a big leaf, like a banana leaf, Ooh. and it threads the string through the leaf and then back down again and then back up again and then back down again. And it actually sews itself a nest. That's why it's called Whoa. the tailor bird. Whoa. Are you serious? I'm wow. absolutely serious. And so, so, so what is this string? This is this? The, I don't know what it is. It must is, be a is piece it, of bark like... or something that it's it's stripped oh, off. That yeah. is trippy. It is so amazing to see. Wow. Um, it is one of those things that you just wouldn't you wouldn't believe it until you actually saw the video. It's um, one of those things I would expect humans to have found a way to exploit its instinct in some way, like tri- like um, can you imagine like, like a construction like line? Them as, <laughs> <laughs> like sweatshops with tailor in a Ford factory, and they're all just yeah, exactly. There they are, like a hundred years ago, you know, before we had had automation or something, you know, just like <laughs> oh my god, that's grim. Just like rows and rows of cages of these birds, like sewing up our. <laughs> suits and our shoes something like that yeah yeah anyway that's the image that comes to my mind but yeah cool tailor birds so which part of the world are these birds in no idea i i don't know i don't it's only a only a you know a quick search way to find out but i don't know that offhand but i can just imagine you know some uh you know some explorer you know like back in the Back in the old days, you know, finding yeah. a bird like this and trying to, you know, describe, you know, what this bird does back, you know, when he's back in England or whatever, and no one believing him, like the, uh, <laughs> like this, like the platypus, you know, like, did you, you know, for for all the, for any non-Australians listening, there's this, uh, there's this, um, I suppose, an urban legend that's that goes around about apparently when they first discovered the platypus they brought home Uh a um a they brought home a uh a sample like a a stuffed you know like um 
Oh. What's it called? Uh, taxonomy, tax, I think. Tax, no, taxidermy. Taxidermy, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. brought home a taxidermied um, platypus and it's a mm. weird-looking animal. So everyone yeah, back is. home in England thought that it, the whole thing was a hoax, you know, that it was oh. it's a, this, <laughs> this animal with, like, the bill of a duck, like the body of, I don't know, like a otter or something. Yes, yes. The tail quite of a God knows what. It's just mm-hmm. like this weird animal. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> that's what, that's, there's a lot of content like that on, mm. on, on the Discover Earth social media. Um, cool. Anyway, so what I wanted to do is to help, you know, capture some of the traffic that comes from that and from direct that, yeah. it through uh, my online store, right, which mm-hmm. sells, um, yeah, like related things like, you know, um, uh, like phone cases with, you know, like you know, ecosystems, you know, painted on the back and stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so the obvious step for me was to get uh, – shopping approval on Instagram, right? Mm. Mm. So Instagram has this feature called product tagging where um, you just like put a little like pin, like a mm. virtual pin in the in the photo and when someone clicks on it, it'll come up and it'll say, oh, this is the, you know, this is the, uh, you know, iPhone, you know, like gardens ecosystem phone case and you can click yeah. through to it and buy it pretty much there in Instagram. Cool. So... It's a really commercial program, Instagram. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's it's really well uh, monetized. Um, mm. Anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I was setting up. Uh, I was going through the process to set up, mm. um, you know, shopping on on Instagram, and uh, you have to request approval, right? I thought mm. that was going to be just like an automated thing that just took like one minute. Um, turned out to be a manual process that has to be reviewed by a person and it took two weeks. Yes. And it's amazing how many little manual processes there are there on still Facebook. Are, yeah. yeah. And incredible how many real eyeballs are checking certain things. I recall when I did my first ad campaign, uh, that the reason it takes, um, a few hours at least up to one to two days to actually get your ad campaign launched after you actually finally sort of submit it uh, to to go out there is that yeah there is an actual real person who goes through every single ad campaign and just does a quick look over and checks that there's nothing nothing uh, wrong with it check so that everything is is kosher and I, I was just like yeah, I, I I just found it amazing that somehow it there wasn't be a algorithm or something. Miserable and thankless job, really. I, 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 I it can probably imagine. comes out from. I, it's probably a result of you know the fake news, you know the Russians hacking the All election, putting those yes. ads in, sort of thing. Yes. Um, and they just haven't thought of an automated way to do it yet. But I mean, the company is yeah. just too big. There's just too many requests for human eyeballs looking at looking approving things to be efficient. And yeah, that's so why that's, it take, took that, like at least, I uh, think in my case, it was like 48 hours to get the campaign up. And like, yeah, for, for what you're processing or for what, sorry, what you're requesting, it takes like two weeks to process. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's, it took so much longer than two weeks. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. So, you know, like, oh, isn't yeah. social media supposed to be getting around? Isn't it? The whole point is to be breaking through the, 
you know, the red tape of the old world and the inefficient ways. And it's, it's, it's funny because I think it is just about... Sometimes I think the larger a company is, the more it just can't help but become a bureaucracy. Yeah, it's the scale. I think it's true, like with companies like Facebook and YouTube. It's just impossible to avoid. They just eventually, they just become like a government in, of their own in some way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you read it's through like all the policy the stuff. Of their own little space of the internet. Yeah, that's right. You read through their, all their policies and all their guidelines and all the all the stuff you got to get through. Like if you go into business manager or ads accounts at the back end of Facebook, it's like, oh, it's what? So it is, it is so, so confusing and it is so like reading like exactly like um, your tax reports or, or all the litany of of different stuff you got to submit to or yeah, your, your actual government. conditions on your iPhone. It's like the things yeah. that you would never actually read, but yeah, it's just like getting a license, you know, in a in a, in a country for, for you know driver's license or, or you know registering a business. It's just just insane. It's just instead of it being on a piece of paper like a lot of government agencies, you know, you know state government agencies are, it's, it's just on screen. But the, all yeah. the all the jargon and all of it, it's it's just exactly the same, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tell me about it. Anyway, so so I uh, so obviously the uh, it was it was I was not approved. The my Instagram profile was not approved for for shopping when I requested it, and um, couldn't work out why. Like they just pointed me. They said that I'd violated their terms and conditions and pointed me to the terms and conditions page, which has like you know section six is like cannot be used for terrorism. Like it's so, like it's so non-specific. Um, I read through it a couple of times, and I was like, okay, the the one that's surely applicable to me is that it doesn't is that the Instagram profile didn't show commercial intent, right? It, so it wasn't clearly enough a shop. So despite the fact that there are the tons of you know. Uh, tons of you know accounts out there that sell things and they have memes and you know and cool pictures and photography and stuff on them but um yeah anyway so um so i found this uh support forum um from shopify that's just full of people saying like hey you know instagram wasn't approved like what what the fuck do we do now like yeah. there is no button where you can appeal it and say, oh, you know, like I've, I think I know what the problem is, and I've fixed it. It, it's not there. Um, so I was on that support forum for a couple of weeks, and everyone's just like, you know, running around like headless chickens, like because it can really impact your, you know, your business. Like if your competitor gets this and you don't, clearly, then they have access to, um, yeah, you know, to, uh, to monetize through Instagram. And you don't. It's a, it's a big thing. Yeah. Um, so eventually in this forum, somebody mentions that they got the problem uh, solved and they'd be happy to do it for you for like about a thousand dollars or something. He's like, oh, fuck this guy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then someone else posts and says, oh, this guy on Fiverr, you know, got it for me and you check his profile and he can do it for $300. It's like, oh, well, all right. Um, Okay, three hundred is a lot better than a thousand. A lot better than a thousand. And so I spoke to this guy on on Fiverr, um, 
who's his his uh, username's Instagram underscore boy. If anyone's got the same problem, or link in the show notes. Yeah, he's my a, boy. He's Instagram, absolutely yeah. legend. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, uh, so he says, yeah, it's uh, it's because of all these posts about you know like the the Taylor Bird and the humpback whales and and that that's <laughs> doesn't show commercial intent. He's like, you have to take them <laughs> down. You have to delete them. It's like, ah. Oh, Okay. It's so, so great. Like, like Instagram's just like, um, I don't see the label attached to the humpback to whales. This like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, the guy on Instagram is, is going through just like endless applications. It's all just, you know, Burberry bags and just whatever, just the latest, uh, you know, electronics, maybe some cooking stuff it's just home homewares and just just <laughs> endless clothing brands and then he just comes across a humpback whale he's just like yeah oh <laughs> i think this guy pressed the wrong button reject <laughs> it's just like uh, <laughs> no yeah. second thought about it <laughs> yeah yeah that is so funny <laughs> but it's a it's like a reject for life button you know unless yeah, exactly unless you know how to go about this process and it's like, not oh, like where did the say. Discovery Channel come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, what are they selling here? They're not, they're not selling humpback whales, are they? That inform, you know, Interpol or something. <laughs> <laughs> they're packaging them up, yeah, selling them yeah. to Japan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh that's that's funny. so funny. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so he uh, he has me remove like hundreds and hundreds of these, you know awesome pictures of uh, from my yeah. instagram um and uh, and that's that was the that's the beginning so it just gets more and more bizarre it's like getting going down into uh you know alice in wonderland's yeah the one uh down the rabbit hole it's just yeah it just becomes just insane from here so the uh once the photos were gone the next thing is that um there's this support button that's in the back end of facebook that just that's invisible and it just silently appears with no notification no nothing it just silently appears inside of another page for accounts that have spent money they don't tell you that it appears only for accounts that have spent money or how much <laughs> money you have to spend or mm. any detail whatsoever it's just this silent button that just one day just shows up once you've spent money mm -hmm. and that button is the only way in Facebook and Instagram to talk to a human voluntarily. Mm. Mm. So he's done this a few times. He said you have to place an ad for thirty dollars and you have to run it over the over five days. If you it's less than thirty dollars, less than five days, it won't show up. Mm. So mm. sure enough, I run it and then the silent button just shows up. Now we're, <laughs> we're fine. Now we're in contact with a human. Like before that, it's just this, it's just, you just get sent to support page, to support page, to support yeah. page, just a just maze of just yeah. articles no that just, through. you can't get through. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is one of my, so what did you favorite do? bits in this actually. Mm. So, um, I've got the conversation with him. So, uh, with, uh, Instagram boy. Yeah. With Instagram boy. Is that right? Yep. Or oh, Instagram boy with, uh, I can just imagine. 
Instagram uh, boys now with talking the Facebook. to Facebook support on my behalf. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Let's hear this. He says, mm. he says, okay. Mm. So yeah. it's like, it takes, it takes like, uh, it takes like three days for them to, once you've, you know, once, once you ask them a question and support, it takes them three days to, you know, actually start the conversation with you. So <laughs> everything's just moved so slowly. Okay. So it's like, we give all the details, you know, everything's, you know, kosher, everything that he knows that, um, how to fix his fixed, you know, every, everything yes. as it should be. Um, now and the, the pictures are gone. No commercial intent is there anymore. You know the description and bio has been changed. Everything has been changed. Um, okay. Uh, so this guy says at the moment, I've uh, checked. This is Facebook. At the moment, I've checked the Instagram profile, and to make the appeal for this issue, you would have to refer to the Instagram help center and make the appeal directly to Instagram. So my guy responds, if I were able to. Why would I have asked you? Please close the ticket if you cannot forward my request to Instagram. I don't need any web links to do this. I've already tried those. Thank you. <laughs> I understand. At the moment, help.instagram.com would be the only avenue of support, uh, uh, only avenue for your issue. He says, I told you I don't need any link. Please close the ticket so that I can a new one. And this will help you uh, if someone in the future asks you the same thing and sends them a screenshot of uh, one of his other clients like getting through to you know Instagram through this through the same channel. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, anyway, so he so that Facebook guy closes the support chat. So Instagram boy opens up a new ticket, goes through the exact same process again, sends them a screenshot that says this is the solution that I need of you know someone forwarding the request to instagram mm -hmm. and this time the facebook chat person who's now a different person is like oh yeah okay no problem i'll forward that over to the instagram for you right right so it's just it's not consistent at all how no, uh, how they all. respond to this um so so this instagram boy has obviously had a bit of experience being uh mucked around with with the, with the guy on the chat on the end of the chat after three days I don't know how he does it. It's, he knows how to navigate it. He knows how to navigate it. So it's, it's through to Instagram, right? It's like after all this, we're finally talking to a human from Instagram. Okay, great. Progress. Seven days later, Instagram mm -hmm. disapproves me. What? Seven days later. Okay. Seven disapproves. Days later, Hang on. Disapproves dis means approves. Wait, uh, what? It, di what? It, seven days later, Instagram denies the request. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Time. Dis disapproves. Okay, so actually, even it though it was already approve. disapproved, it disapproved. Oh, okay. it, it disapproved just... the request. Yeah. Oh, okay. To fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. And I'm just, and you're just like, like, is there a reason given or what? It says that. Well, we worked it out. The reason why is that when I was initially creating the Facebook page for Discover Earth, I put in the category section media. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that means that is interpreted as because the category of the page is, of the Facebook page is media. That's interpreted as it not having uh, commercial intent. It's a media company. Sorry, we don't allow media companies to have uh, Facebook, uh, um, Instagram shopping. It's like God damn it. 
So well, we start again. Tell us that at the beginning. So like, you essentially just ticked the wrong box. This is just like on government t- forms exactly when they're like, the "What box. is your business?" You know, "What is the purpose of your business?" And you got all these boxes to tick. And oh, I'm in the education industry, or I'm in the you know agricultural or whatever. It's pharmaceutical, and you've just ticked the wrong box. Just and now the, go- the wrong box. Jeez. And seven days later, it's uh, it goes back to the guy and says no. Okay. So so we go back to Facebook again, and we 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 issue, we get a third ticket going, and uh, so yeah, and so this you know, we say we want to you know appeal the decision because we're a media company and we're not a media company. So the guy sends it to sends us to a uh, a form to fill out, but the page is broken, um, so he fills it in for us, and and and, and then it should be all good, right? Instagram gets back to my fella two weeks later. With this request, this is uh-huh. where the um, this is where uh, the rabbit hole, you know, the bizarreness of, of Wonderland really starts. They ask me to log into my Instagram account from three or four Australian devices and post a couple of images from each, so that my IP address is purely identified as Australian. What? So I had to log into my Instagram from a bunch of different, not just computers. Right, they are on the same Wi-Fi. Of course, that's the same IP address. I have to sure. log in on different, um, yeah, log in on different internet connections to my Instagram and post some pictures, so that Instagram can actually verify that we're an Australian company. So, like, I had to get my mum's phone, my girlfriend's phone, my dad's phone, my computer, like, and make posts on all of these things so that they would verify that my account. Is Australian. So, 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 so approve it. at first, the issue was with the, the category. The category was misclassified as media. So, I'll just verify. You went back to your Facebook page and, and, and changed that, right? Yes. Yeah. What did you change it to? Ah, uh, retail. Oh, okay. So now you're retail. Because it's a, it's in. We also have you know an e-commerce you know part. So, and we do sell. As I said, we yeah, yeah. Phone cases it's a fair claim like to be retail. Yeah, okay, I got it. So you, you changed that category. And so that was like issue number one they had with it. Now issue number two is what, like the the location? The location. Because so so why why is there an issue with it being in Australia or whatever? Yeah, or, I should have I should have uh, I should mention that. So you yes, can please. only get uh, Instagram shopping in a certain number of locations. You know, like mm. US, UK, Germany, uh, Australia, New Zealand, maybe like South Korea, Japan or something like that. And that's it, right? And I think that's because Instagram boys from Pakistan or something like that, and they're picking up like a Pakistan IP address, they're uh. like, this looks dodgy. So we want him to verify the IP address that, it, that it, this is actually an Australian company. But uh. like... Yeah, so, yeah, I was, like, texting, you know, like, uh, texting pictures of my, you know, like, plasma globes and stuff to my girlfriend, and then, you know, she'd have to log into my Instagram and post them for me, and, man, it was just, yeah, crazy. I can imagine Facebook's seen this pattern before, though, like, someone in, like, a Western country who just just can't handle frickin' Facebook bureaucracy or Instagram bureaucracy... And yeah, then just outsource it to just India or Pakistan and just be... Yeah, like, I'm sure this is a very, quite a common thing. Like, someone on Fiverr in in South Asia, uh, you know, saying they're going to fix your, your, um, 
you request for you somehow. So I'm surprised they haven't figured this out. Well, they probably, ah, uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows, man? Who knows? But after that, after the, after, you know, after the IP issue, the uh, Instagram was finally approved two days after that. Okay. Um, thank God. Like I, he, Instagram boy sends me the message saying, you know, congrats, it's been approved. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then he's Ooh. like, you just have to wait for the, uh, wait for the settings to change in your Instagram app. Um, and then, you know, then you'll be ready to go. And so I wait like one day, two days, three days, four days, <laughs> five oh, days. No. Like I'm deleting the app. Like I'm locking out of my uh, account, deleting the app, reinstalling the app, God. like just waiting for the settings to change and nothing happens. I text him back with screenshots. He's like, fuck, they are so hopeless. Um, and seven days later I get a little notification that says congratulations on the Instagram app this time it says congratulations shopping's been approved it's like Uh, fuck yes it's done it's over and finally I can tag my products on Instagram and sell Instagram. (laughs) an Instagram boy who's done like fucking hundreds of these says that he's like yeah man like yours took the longest out of anybody that I've had to work with on this one. Yeah, that's because you've always had a curse with bureaucracy, Ben McCarthy, going back all the way to our uh, elementary school days. <laughs> Earl Flanders, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, Earl Flanders just scraping you by the collar as 8.29 just scrapes by and it's 8.30 and you're 30 seconds late in the front door. Ah, oh, McCarthy, Macca, you'll be taking the... Taking detention this summer. Oh, God. It's always been like that. You've always, when if there was some sort of system, you've always managed to get in its way somehow. Get on the the blacklist somehow. Yeah. Oh, well. Even if I try very hard, it always just seems to happen. That's right. Yeah. 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 They say Murphy's Law. This might be McCarthy's Law. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cool. Well, you're in. You're finally into Instagram. I'm in, mate. I mean, well, I'm yeah, Instagram can start comm- selling through Instagram. Com- Instagram retail, yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah, so, but really, man, like if I had to do this again, I would have just deleted my Facebook page, deleted my Instagram, and just mm. started it again. Just have it right from the first time. <laughs> just have like a have a checklist of all the things that you have to you have to have done in order to get it approved in the first time. In fact, yes. I'm, I've been putting together a checklist. I might um, I might share that in the show notes for any uh, for any listener that's uh, has sat through my half an hour story on, uh, yeah, on that you to want save to them the this. trouble. You want to avoid this. It's you want to horrifying. avoid this. At all yeah. costs. At all costs. Speaking of another integration. Yeah, man. Uh, Yes. How is early Parrot coming along for you? This is something else we've uh, been exploring together uh, this week. Right. Where are you up to with that? So early Parrot is a, yeah, I think we spoke about it last week. It's a referral program like mm. uh, what the Morning Brew um, news, email newsletter has um, mm. that lets you reward people that uh, share your, um, your email or whatever it is um, with uh, different tiers so mm. you can set them, customize them, and you know it sends out emails and yeah, um, yeah. So it gets the people rewarded for um, for sharing and referring your thing. So mm. um, it's uh, 
is not quite done yet. Um, I'm still waiting on uh, Early Parrot to approve my uh, approve my uh, my campaigns for it. Again, they mm. also have a manual, you know, a person with with eyeballs checking the uh, checking the campaign before it's approved. And oh, I did something yes. a few things wrong the first time. Um, mm. like I didn't customize the. Uh, email you know like message or something like that i just left it as the default which wasn't good enough so mm-hmm. um so but, mm. yeah so there should be reapproving it sometime but it's not live for me yet okay okay because i've been working on that this week as well and in fact you you know helped me for about half a day on tuesday i think it was set all that stuff up which was awesome saved me so much time and, um, no problem. yeah, it was, it was good. Like once I'd set it up, I just got on a call with Gaetano, who is super responsive, <laughs> replies in like, who's the founder of, um, yeah. yeah, replies in like Parrot. five minutes instead of five days. Yeah. And, uh, they're ba- based Small in Malta. Company. Yeah. Based in Malta actually. So, uh, yeah. Um, so he got on a call with me and took me through everything. And you know what, man? It's so awesome. We were talking about possibly requesting in the future one day, maybe uh, a line integration. Line is the like the WhatsApp of Taiwan. It's you know because in my market here, everyone uses lines. So that would be really useful if people could refer my email newsletter to their friends via line. And I had this idea in the back of my mind as well as possibly the idea of maybe asking them to uh, translate the the landing page or the share page that they call it uh, into Mandarin Chinese, right? I was thinking about this, but I didn't actually request it up front because I thought, well, let's just get through this process of setting the account up and then maybe I can ask Gaetano about it. And he actually brings it up himself through the call. He's like, so uh, I'm not so sure, you know, what kind of uh, social, you know, media is popular in Taiwan, but, um, you know, and, and he, he sort of says, is there anything, you know, special there that that, need, that people use? And I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, line. And so I to- told him about this. He's his like, first customer from Taiwan. Exactly. I said, hey, uh, early parrots making inroads to Asia and... and uh, or maybe, uh, yeah, and his, his eyes sort of lit up. I could tell, like, the, the prospect of that was very attractive for him. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, well, that sounds really good. And I was like, yeah, I bet, I bet, you know. So I hope maybe to to milk that for all it's worth to try and maybe get VIP customer status in their, in their uh, service, <laughs> service uh, records or whatever. But, yeah, like, he was really uh on the ball with that he was like look i can it's help it's good uh, with you with the like companies like this will often have like a marketing graphic you know that shows yeah. the the world and you can put a little where they are in all the, yeah yeah that's right people when they yeah, go they for the next round the of funding so yeah he gets to put in another pin in in taiwan in taiwan yeah yeah I'm happy about that who who would be yeah so so he was like yeah so um you know we could do the integration with line okay and he's like what's it called and i told him line he'd obviously never heard of it he just wrote it down and he said i'll look into that and oh yeah do you want to you know customize it into chinese and i was like yeah that'd be great he's like yeah yeah i can send you the scripts and you know your chinese is better than mine so maybe you can just translate that directly and we'll set that up so he's really um yeah he's really thinking of everything and and that was all great um he told me i need to set up okay so i got a teachable domain right but it's still 
like I took over my Teachable school, but it's still under a Teachable domain. So he told me I would need a a unique custom domain name before it would work. And so I've gone looking oh, for that. Okay. Hmm. So I haven't set up a custom domain before. So uh, something I'm sort of grappling with at the moment is how important is your first domain name? Like you've got to get the name like exactly right. Like obviously for you, Discover Earth, it's your brand name and you've thought about it a long time. Now I've thought about my Chinese brand name a long time, but I haven't actually spent much time thinking about the English version for the URL because everything I've ever done on social media, I've always just used the Chinese name. But if I've got to make a domain, it's obviously got to be in Roman lettering. So I've got to think of an English name. So I'm, I'm sort of a little bit hesitant because it feels like I might be setting something in stone. Like, oh, you know, this what's is... What's like... Really, what's... So, so in China or Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, all these non-Roman, um, you know, alphabet lettering, countries... Lettering, yes, yes. They all have to... Oh, they all have to yes. change it. Oh, I yeah, there's no URL in Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> no such Why thing. Why not? That's a good question. Um... I guess the web is just, um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess domains can only be read, like like a URL address can only be uh, interpreted by, you know, um, servers. Like servers can only read Roman lettered uh, URL uh, yeah, addresses I'm, I'm at sure this point in time. I'm sure there's I don't, technical barriers to it. Like yeah. apparently uh, Arabic is a real pain in the ass language to code for because it's read right to left and yeah everything else can be can be read left to right yeah so yeah. i'm sure there's technical issues but there, no like, no no there definitely on, would be like, yeah i know it would be all ideal the, all the you know, intellectual and you know and programming power of asia you think they would have worked something out by now well yeah I, it's i i haven't heard anyone here want to sort of uh, disrupt that status quo <laughs> possibly in China okay. where national sentiment right. is a little more intense but in Taiwan it's, uh, people seem to just think well just use yeah, just use uh, Roman lettering and just, just come up with an English everyone thing everyone knows it anyway do they? Every, everyone's sort of accepted yeah I mean, I mean you just typically obviously you can enter obviously you can search for stuff with Chinese name in Google so most people just use Google enter the Chinese keyword and then you know their search results are obviously all in chinese but it's just the url is is always in roman lettering um yeah, so okay. Okay. yeah anyway um so i'm thinking oh you know what should i make it and da 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 so i haven't really come to a decision on that but as i was going over it and thinking how to set it up and looking through teachable to set up your custom domain so with the custom domain on teachable so now i'm on the pro plan it's it's like you've got to go through Cloudflare, right? And that's what they suggest you do to set up your domain. Now, Cloudflare Flare is like a separate website. Now, you told me Cloudflare is for buying space. Like, is like, like it's, it's like a hosting I did service. Think, I did think that it was a hosting service. Yeah, I could be wrong. Hmm. Cloudflare, web performance and security. Yeah, but it seems I'd have to buy that. So where I got stuck, maybe you can Content help me here, is that... Yeah, CDN. Okay, because, yeah, it's a CDN, right? Because, so, I... What is DSS, exactly? Because I kept reading this in the in the help section. Uh, DSS. 
Yeah. I, I, it, it, like in the teachable uh, notes, it kept directing me to Cloudflare and to do, to get your DSS. I, maybe that's an acronym for domain something. Anyway, anyway I, I, I haven't, haven't figured it out yet. So uh, I believe I have to pay something for this domain, right? As, on top of my teachable pro plan, which yeah, is now at $99. surprise me. Yeah. So yeah. the problem here is everything's adding up, mate. So like, okay. So regardless of whether or not I get the custom domain, I also, I'm also trying to set up a payment custom gateway on Teachable, which I'll get to in a little bit after I finish talking about early Parrot. Cause I finally, you know, came to the, came to the end of getting everything I needed to set up early parrot and Gaetano says, and finally you'll just need to choose a plan whether or not you want to take the $99 for up to 99 referrals or 99 euro a month. Right. And I don't know about you, but I somehow thought that the 99 euro for 99 referrals was just a one time payment. End of story. Like there is no, monthly payment after that but he said no no uh, it's... i think once you get a certain number of referrals yes then it's you have to start paying the 99 euro per month yeah but it's actually the 99 euro per month doesn't give you many more referrals than 99 i think it's like 300 or something so the How, infinity uh, what plan, about the, the free plan that's what i'm on the free plan i don't think it gives yeah. you anything really i mean like, let me look it up again. Um, but uh, Gaetano is kind of saying to me, like, if you want to get this $99 deal where you can just pay $99 until you get 99 referrals, which means 99 customers coming through who have been referred by their friends, so this is part of the referral system, then you should grab it now. It's a limited time offer or whatever. But, but I just didn't expect it to be this expensive because this is the free deal. I'm just going to read out the limits here. One active campaign, one reward, one integration, and you can only have 10 active referrees or referrals a month. So you can only get 10 extra people on your mailing list per month. That's oh, really, really limited. Yeah, man. That's not and many. The 99 euro one is... Well, 350 I've just, like, I've just been hooked by the free start. Yeah. Oh my God. I know, free man. Start. And that's the and one for me. Yeah, exactly. And but if you really look at it, the difference between free and 99 euro is just stupendous. And then if you want to get the unlimited referrals a month, which is really what you want, if because this is things supposed to scale. This is supposed to take our email list from, you know, several hundred people to like tens of thousands of people. You really need unlimited referrals. That's 125 euros a month. So yeah. I'm just yeah. like, holy crap. Like after In I realized Australian that- Australian dollars, that would be a lot for me. 200, 200 Australian dollars, I reckon right now. The exchange Something rate's like pretty that. bad. Yeah. yeah so bad. like, I'm just like, ah, crap. What am I gonna do? Because, ah, uh, oh, man, I, I'm now paying $99 for the Teachable Pro, right? Which is, I only got the Teachable Pro mainly so I could set up a payment custom payment gateway so then I could get paid 
straight away instead of like six weeks after the transaction. Because Ugh. as all Teachable users know, if you use the Teachable custom, uh, sorry, the Teachable payment system, you have to have a 30-day money-back refund. There's no way to get around it. So Teachable holds the money that anyone, you know, that you get from any sales. They hold that for 30 days. It's, it's like frozen on Teachable's account. And then after okay. 30 days, they release it, but they will only pay you out on the first of every month. So for example, my string of sales, which started to pick up recently, my first big sale, or the first sale that Claire processed for me was on the 18th of August. That's still on freeze, you know, it will be for almost another two weeks until the 18th of September. And then after that, it will be paid out to me only on the 1st of October, right? Nice. So that's like Yikes. a long waiting time, really that's a long, long waiting, waiting time. It's a long waiting time. And what's even worse is that <laughs> I have to offer my customers 30 day guarantee, you know, my, uh, refund and and I've just had one person who's requesting a refund this week after my first week of classes. It's not going so well, man. So things aren't going so crash hot here because my course started this week and students' expectations are sort of a bit all over the place. Like I've only got five of them uh, in the class, like three advanced, two beginners, but a couple of them just can't keep up with the level, but a couple of them are really, really, you know, gung-ho and they just really want to, you know, smash it out and get fluency you know really quickly and so i really want to deliver the promise of the course which is fluency in three months to them yeah. but then the, a couple of others are, are you know we sort of vetted them for how um, serious they are about learning english but we probably didn't vet them enough for their level because maybe there's one person in the advanced class who should be in the beginners class but anyway regardless she's now requesting a refund so gonna have to give her that so um, if you, you know, it's to move her to beginners. I've tried. Yeah, I've tried. I will try again to convince her. I'm really reluctant to give her a refund because we don't have much traction at the moment. And it's like, if I have to, if I have the, the risk of a refund hanging over me for the rest of this month, like until like mid October, like this is, this is a lot of pressure to be under as a teacher to like, to try to keep a small group of like five people to try to, and now it's four, right? To try and keep them in the course without wanting to get a refund for, for a month. When I know that they've shown me, they've proven to me that some of them are, you know, the refund is in the back of their mind is like a, you know, eject button in case they just think it's too much or they get too busy or, or whatever happens. So, you know, they're not afraid to use it. You know, I never had refund requests before when my course was only like 20, 25 US dollars. No one, ask for a refund ever, even though there was the same 30 day guarantee money back refund. You know, there was, there's never any, anyone process refund, I guess, because people just buy a $20. It's like buying a book who honestly buys a book. If you don't finish reading the book, who honestly has the time to take like a paperback book back to a bookstore and say, I want oh, my money dude. back. I think you might be surprised. Like really everyone is all about the fucking refunds. Like I, uh, the second sale I ever made in my in my e-commerce store, I uh, someone wanted a refund on. They're like really? these. There are these coasters with uh, with like it looks like slices of uh, slices of brain that's like embedded inside of the glass of the coaster. It's mm. pretty pretty nerdy, pretty cool. Um, 
and uh, they cost yeah like thirty dollars, something like that, and hmm. uh, only make only make something like eight to ten dollars on each one, hmm. and so I was so excited because it was my second order ever. So I go ahead and make you know I I order the product, get it shipped, and then the next day he's like, oh yeah no I want a refund. Um, I found somewhere else that can ship it to me faster. Mm-hmm. So sorry. It's like, oh man, I can't do that now. You know, it's it's already been. I've already put my money out, and it's already been shipped. Yeah. People are keen yeah. on the refunds. That's People not the first really... time it's happened either. Like yeah. nowadays, I'm just gonna wait 24 hours before I actually action any any sales yeah, any sales because they're just people are so refund happy. Yeah. So that trigger. I'm shocked because I never had any refund requests before with, as I said, with my like standalone info product with, without any course teaching. And, and now I've, I've, I've had two or three, like Claire's, you know, put through quite a few sales, uh, you know, I think a total of eight, but they're all a little flaky. Like we've only now got five students, which is now turned to four. I don't like two of them, two of them wanted a refund you know, fairly quickly or one of them sort of signed up and then transferred to one-on-one tutoring with me. So like, even, even though we've vet these students through a, a quiz and, you know, Claire takes them through the direct sales consultation, which is like half an hour. It's not just like letting anyone sign up, you know, she, she takes them through and makes the sale and whatever. We're still getting only like, I literally, it's like, I only now have half of the people who actually have made a booking or actually signed up for the course are actually now in the course taking the taking the actual course. So that's pretty frightening. So the prospect of that 30-day refund is really intimidating. So Claire agrees we need to like shut that thing down. We need to make it like a week maybe tops, you know, and they need to like, you know, a lot of these online courses, they have like, uh, they have a condition for processing the refund is, and that is that you have done the homework or whatever. Like, I think this goes back to when we did Christian McQueen's, uh, online course builder. I think he had a money back guarantee as, yeah, as long as you have done all the worksheets and stuff and you can prove that, and then you still think it doesn't provide you value. So I think we need to do something like that because this refund thing is, is just, it's, it's just a nightmare. So to stop that third, close that 30 day guarantee, money back guarantee window, we need to get a custom payment gateway on Teachable. Now, so I've upgraded to the $99 plan. I'm now what do paying... other teachers do on Teachable? It's a popular platform. You know, I'm and sure so people I've... have this problem all the time. Well, the Teachable tribe who I posted uh, this episode of the podcast. This is where you got today. the idea from. Yeah, the Teachable Tribe is a fantastic resource for Teachable users on the Facebook group. It's very active, lots of lively discussion. Now, people on there you know, do things different differently, but this tends to be a consensus that once you reach like 2,000 to 3,000 US re- monthly revenue recurring, you know, over, you know, on a recurring basis, the pro plan is worth it. Now, I made 2,400 this month but it's not really recurring yet. Like I cannot say for sure that we're going to make, we're going to break a thousand dollars next month. Uh, but here's the thing, man, this is the clutch. I mean, I need 
money to pump into Facebook ads to get more leads. And I can't get the money to pump into Facebook ads to get the leads because the money's sitting in Teachable's hands. So if I wait until October to get that money, then I start the Facebook ads, uh, it's gonna be too late. You know, like it's, it's, it's gonna be like November, December before the sales that result from those Facebook campaigns that I started in October really come through. So as we're looking at really a long stretch, so, so there's gonna be this big dip in, in uh, student intake and that's gonna be a big dip in revenue and I'm paying out $99 to Teachable all the time. Now the problem is Claire told me she wanted to invest in Facebook ads, right? Just let me do it. I'll invest in the Facebook ads for you. I want to take that off your you know, shoulders or whatever. Just give me a little more commission so I can do that. She's now gone all lukewarm. So I don't know what's going on with her, man, because we have this weird relationship as I, as I went into a lot of detail last week over where, you know, things aren't really clear between us exactly who's taking care of what. There's nothing in, in writing. Everything's sort of a bit vague. And so she was really gung-ho to, yeah. to get into the Facebook ads. And, and I, I said yes. I, I didn't give everyone this update, but after last week's podcast where I was umming and ahhing and, and going through the motions of deliberating, trying to figure out whether or not this was the best idea, I finally had a call with her that night. And I said, look, okay, I think you can do this. Uh, for the meantime, I don't think there's any, there's any potential, you know, negative outcomes for this or this it doesn't it, it, it seemed to be fairly risk-free for me as i said like she could invest money but you know if she lost it it was her loss and whatever but ever since that conversation she's now gone off the boil she's she doesn't seem to be logging into facebook ad accounts manager she doesn't seem to be doing anything i, I asked her the other day like what's going on she said oh i'm still writing the copy you know she hasn't asked me if she wants to she wants my help with writing that copy or, or to collaborate in any way. I mean, I, I feel I should probably be involved in, in, in writing the ad copy since it's my course, you know. Uh, it just, she's, she's not updating me on anything to do with that. She seems to have gone completely off the boil. And it may be in part because this week's course, we've had our first three days of the course and well, We've now got one refund request and one other student in the beginner's course felt overwhelmed as she's still hanging in there and she's still, she seems, I think she's going to pull through. She's going to stay the course, but she was definitely intimidated by the first class. So I said to all the students, listen, guys, don't freak out. It's, you know, the first class is, is just like the first day at the gym. You're going to feel sore. You know, you haven't done this in a while. It's, it, you know, we're here to get fluency. This is going to, this is going to be a bit intense, but stick with me. You know, we'll get you the results. But um, there's definitely some adjustment of expectations. I think some students really, you know, they really expect you to sort of hold their hand and, and take it really slow. Uh, and other students are sort of really want you to give them more and, and really like they're asking for more. They're, they're, they, they, they want more learning in that hour, jam pack it in, you know, give us more time to talk and, and, and they're requesting even more. Like, so I want to serve so those students there's different because tiers. there's different there's grades different, with There definitely in, is. But, but, but dude, how can I open... you're treating them all the same thing. It's treating them all the same way. There's only five students. Like how, like yeah. what am I, I going to do? Cut it into, cut it up into five classes, give them all, you know, a tailored one-on-one -on -one coaching twice. session. Yeah. You know, like I've already got two classes, like five students you in don't two have classes. To, scale to justify that. Exactly. Like if 
we're talking like 15, 20 students, maybe I could open a third class so it's beginners, intermediate, advanced. But at the moment, there's only five students. I don't, exactly, I don't have the scale to justify that. So Claire's seeing this and she's like, oh, you know, uh, I don't know what, I, I can only guess that she's thinking maybe this isn't the best investment. So now, without telling me, she's sort of gone cold. And there are no, there are no new leads coming in, man, because we've sort of like blasted the Facebook uh, direct messenger list. Like she's sort of hit up everyone who's ever left a comment on my Facebook page about this course. And, you know, you, you can only ping people so many times before, you know, they, they unfollow you or whatever. So it's kind of a bit of a, yeah, like we, I'm just looking through the booking system. Now there are no more booking sessions at the moment. There are currently no future booking sessions for, for consultations about my course. There are lots for hers. There are lots for hers. I'm looking, I'm looking at the, the booking system now. There's like another 12 uh, sessions for learning with Claire, which is her little, what she does on Amazing Talk, right? Uh, but there's nothing for my, she's, there's no more consultations booked for my course. So this was what she, you know, this is the there's risk this, that I always have that, that she, there's this, you get what I'm saying though? Like, this like, blog post by, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Sorry, man. Like, you get what yeah, I'm saying, it's, right? It's kind of cutting out, man. It's, uh, sorry. It's very choppy. Like, uh, <sighs> so okay. you keep going. No, no, just that this, this is what I was talking about the whole time when, when I, when I discussed this earlier is that I have to pay, I have to teach this product. I have to deliver this product. She just has to sell it. Once she's made a few sales, oh, it doesn't seem to be going so well. Maybe I don't want to keep investing my time and energy into this or my money doing Facebook ads. Maybe it won't go so well. Okay. I'll just do my own thing because she's just got her own thing anyway. Like this was like a side hustle for her. You know, she was just sort of testing it out to see whether or not it was sort of worth it. Now she's gone off the boil and without telling me, I don't think she plans to, I don't know. Worst case scenario, she doesn't plan to continue. Okay, fine. But now I've still got to pay what, like 20, 30% of, of this, of these half a dozen sales that I've made. So, and then I've got to teach like 70 hours of, of, of class time, which I've done the math. It works out to a lower pay rate than I would get working at my local cram school. In fact, it's, it's close to half half the pay rate that I would get working at my local cram school. So I've spent like so much time setting up this system, going through sales scripts and, and doing all of this stuff, negotiating with Claire, getting everything set up, doing promotion, blah, 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 blah. You just name it. You know, now I've upgraded to, to, to Teachable Pro so I can get that money in, so I can put that into Facebook ads, so I can blah, 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 blah. Spent all this time. And if she doesn't give me any more sales, any more leads, and she doesn't sell any more people into this course because it's a three month course. The agreement was we would keep selling it. We would keep growing the class numbers over the course. But if she's just stops now, now I've got like four students for three months. So I'm seriously considering what to do. Like I will probably have to just be really upfront with her and say, Hey, listen, if we don't have like 10 students, at least by the end of this month, I'm just going to refund everyone. You're not going to get your commission, something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't really want to follow through on that threat because she did make the sales. So it's, it's not fair not to give her that commission. But at the same time, we had an agreement that, you know, we're going to continue 
selling this course together. So I'm not going to lose out. I'm not going to waste my time by just teaching four students for three months when the agreement was we're going to you know, keep selling this and grow the course and grow the numbers. So oof, there's going to be a tough conversation. It's probably not going to be pretty, but we're going to have to meet this out somehow. But in the, sorry, were you going to say something about this? Or um, I, I sort of have another solution in mind, but, but I think you were going to cut across with, so you were going to tell, give me an antidote or, or sorry, an anecdote. It's a bit early here in Taipei. So I'm, I'm sort of a bit, might be getting my words mixed up. Did you want to say something or do? So there's this guy, um, Paul Graham, who's a uh, who's a VC. I think he's an angel investor too. Who uh, who's who's with uh, Y Combinator, you know, the famous um, you know startup um, uh, lab over in Silicon Valley, right? You've, mm -hmm. You know Y Combinator, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Very he wrote this yes. blog post about uh, like just over five years ago called "Do Things That Don't Scale." That's mm. that just talks about how like no matter what your startup is. At the beginning, the founder, I've, the metaphor that we use is, is that the founder has to be like the crank that gets a car engine going. Like once it's going, once the engine is going, it can keep going. But there's this laborious process of winding up the car engine, just like putting in that initial amount of energy before it gets going. Mm. So I think that yeah, before, you know, the engine like starts to tick over and then then it's going. So I think that you maybe maybe your your car engine's not gonna tick over until you have this money to get mm. to reinvest into the Facebook group. Like you need uh, into the Facebook ads. You need to um that resource needs to like get back up to the top of the funnel again. You know yeah. what I mean? You totally. That's that's right. That's a, I think that's a, that's well put, and that's a, a very thoughtful metaphor. And it's like either Facebook ads, or you could say, well, don't buy Facebook ads. Okay, great. Then where's this traffic going to come from? Like, I could do the newsletter thing. Like this is what we were discussing with the morning brew, and, and I, I think obviously I think email is is a much better way to do it than Facebook ads, and and I've been really getting into dot-com secrets the book by Russell Brunson. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's his name, Brunson, you know, um, and I, I've been reading that. Yeah, I've been reading it. Yeah. You've been reading it too. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty good. About 20% of the way through. It's, 20%? Uh, yeah. He's, he's talked about the, uh, the value ladder, which is a good idea. Yeah. Good yeah. Idea. Value ladder. I was blown away mostly by, the three types of traffic, right? So with three oh, types yeah. of not up to that yet. Oh my God. Like I, I sort of do this. I just skim read to the parts that like, you know, grab me by the eyeballs and don't let me go. And, and then I just read that and think, well, that's, that's the, that's the part I sort of, I came here to read. <laughs> so I, oh, three types of traffic. He goes into like, okay, there's traffic that you, control traffic that you don't control and traffic that you own right so traffic that you control is like a facebook ad you pay facebook to send a bit of traffic your way so you've paid for that you can tell them what kind of traffic how much 
you know, etc. Where does this traffic go? You can you can sort of control it for a brief period of time and for a brief amount for a certain amount of money. So it's controllable, but you don't own it. After the money runs out, that traffic's gone. It's it's no no longer yours, right? But you can yes. control it, which is good. It's good that there's that that there's that ability, but it's it's not ideal. There's traffic you don't control, which is like people finding your page and stuff through Google's you know, Google search. Now, obviously Google has ads. So in that case, that if you pay for Google ads, that would be traffic you control. But if someone's just found you through SEO or, you know, they've just been referred through a link or something to your, to your site by a friend, well, then that's sort of out of your control. It's just people on the internet finding you organically somehow. So that is good. But again, like there's no way you can really control that other than having higher search terms and search rankings, but it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's literally beyond your control. So there's, there's sort of a happenstance element to that. And then there's traffic you own, which is the best example is email. So you've got that list. It's yours forever. You know, you send, you control the communication and you own the communication with that list. So he just emphasized how important traffic you own is like, once you have traffic you own, you have a business, end of story. And it just suddenly hit me like so hard how, how true and relevant that is. Because I've been looking at my recent Facebook posts, like my typical live Facebook post. You know, I've got 15,000 followers and like it reaches, just reaches organically, like 2,000 maybe, 3,000 sometimes. Um, That's post. bullshit. It's bullshit. That's and like a bad open rate for an email. This is what I'm getting to. Okay, that's just the 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 you know the the reach. Okay, that's just how many people it reaches. How many people view one of those Facebook lives? It's like 500, maybe 600, 700. Oh shit! So, dude, oh, like, man. you think really about this. Open rate. You no no no. Like, the open rate is the five, six, seven hundred people. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Get how bad this is. The part about it reaching two, three thousand people, what is that? That is That's how like many the people the email bothered to send. Yeah, exactly. You know how when you send out a MailChimp campaign, it tells you like, oh, maybe four, three, two percent of people like couldn't deliver the email for whatever yes. reason? Yes. That is that. So my Facebook delivery rate it's like if you compare it to email, my Facebook delivery rate is like fifteen percent. My it's open rate atrocious. is like four or five percent. When you okay? look at it that way. When you look at it that way, when you actually do a fair comparison. I get on my MailChimp recently, I sent out an email about how to think in English to my list. It's only like two hundred and fifty people, but I had open rate of forty-eight percent. Open rate of forty-eight percent versus the same the same uh, metric on Facebook, like the version, the Facebook version of the open rate of getting a post and actually watching it is like 4%. It's a joke. So it's like after I, after <laughs> There's a I, reason they, they call they use different terms, eh? Obviously, or else no one would like, it would be bleeding obvious to everyone from day one, but yes, exactly. So after I like read this chapter of this book, this ebook, I'm just like, oh my God, this is exactly what's going on. And I'm just like, okay, Email list, end of story. This is it. So, okay, actually, obviously, I would prefer to reinvest, like, in building a bigger mailing list than 
getting more leads and traffic through Facebook. Okay, but here's the thing, like how do I do that? Well, I could use a referral campaign just like we talked about with Early Parrot and Gaetano's you know, SaaS business he's got there and we're copying the model that Morning Brew used, that newsletter to, to, to really scale and grow a huge uh, email list. That's fantastic, but guess what? That's gonna require 125 euros a month if I really wanna get that thing off the ground. So I'm gonna need to invest more money. So this is exactly what you're saying about the about the engine starting up like I need that money but hey where is that money it's in Teachable's hands and oh I've got a couple of students wanting a refund and oh Claire is gonna take 30% of it you know because she's helped me with the sales and oh she's not selling anymore for whatever reason so it's like that that little like that uh, that stream of sales that I had a couple of weeks ago like when I when I finally broke like 2,000 US you know in revenue for like the first time ever is now like shrinking rapidly and I don't know how much is going to be left maybe seven eight hundred dollars for me maybe at the end of it so so it's like oh, dude I honestly think I'm really overdoing it I should just get okay I should just get onto iTalkEye right have you heard of iTalkEye? iTalkEye no. yeah I know it's a bit of a bad name I-T-A-L-K-I yeah okay it's sort of like Amazing Talker. So for listeners who didn't hear our episode like a few weeks ago, there was a platform that I sort of experimented with, which didn't turn out too well, but that's how I actually found Claire. Long story short, iTalkEye is sort of like that, but it's on a much, it's like much, much larger on a global scale. I, I don't know where the company's based, but that's sort of irrelevant. And it seems much more teacher-friendly than at least Amazing Talker, which isn't hard, you know, <laughs> but it isn't much to brag about, but it does have a lot of users. Mark recommends it and, you know, he thinks it would really save me a lot of headache right now because actually, like at the end of the day, man, I'm trying to start up this like hybrid course and, you know, charge like a, for a high ticket item and I'm trying to get Claire to do direct sales. And yeah, that all sounds good. Like, that would be great if I had a lot of traffic and if I had a lot of students like like ready and waiting to buy the course straight up and so I could literally like pack a class with like 10 students from the first month instead of like two students, maybe one's, you know, umming and ahhing and thinking about that refund. Like that would be, that would be, this business model would be viable if I had that kind of circumstance if, if, if that was the situation but it's not and i haven't got a dedicated sales team she's a bit here she's a bit there i don't really know what she wants and i haven't got the money to invest in in, in traffic to grow that top of the line so i can actually get you know those leads and like get this as you say this engine running i haven't got that but what i've got is like at the moment i've actually still got half a dozen maybe not quite half a dozen i got like four or five one-on-one tutoring lessons with students just during the week at the moment outside of this hybrid course that I've got going. I'm trying to actually sell them on the hybrid course. Don't know how successful I would I will be, but I do have four or five students that I'm just doing regular one-on-one -on -one lessons with. So if you really look at my teaching hours at the moment, like most of my teaching hours are still like one-on-one -on -one students, giving them a, a handout, talking it through with them, you know, correcting their individual mistakes that they have, you know, like essentially selling my time just like a one-on-one -on -one thing. Yeah, it's not very scalable. It's not very sexy, but this is this is the reality Like this is actually actually what is What is uh, putting bread on the table for me at the moment? This is actually what's sustaining me 
And I'm going to all this other trouble to, to do all this and I haven't got an integrated clear management system. It's all very high touch. I'm using a bit of Google calendars to, to, to uh, keep track of it. I'm emailing them all individually each week, PDFs and stuff because it's, it's, it's a lot of admin work to just keep these four or five students uh, sort of uh, serviced, well serviced and, and, and everything because I'm just spending all this time trying to get this hybrid product up and running so I haven't really prioritized them actually so often I, 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 I don't email them the handouts till a couple of days before the lesson which isn't really good. So actually if I just accept that actually the, my, my, my main source of revenue is just coming from these individual students and these one ones at the moment uh, iTalkai has like a million students sitting on there Right, it's got a huge amount of, of 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 supply there. It's got everything I need. I just need to set up a profile. The students come to me. They ask me for like you know a trial lesson, and then they book a lesson. It's like I don't have to worry about anything. I could just use iTalkai and get a, a steady revenue stream from like just one-on-one -on -one tutoring to begin with for the interim, and then grow up my numbers on iTalkai. Get quite popular, get a lot of students, and then that would be the time to try something like a high item hybrid course, you know, for, for a, a bunch true. of students. Yeah. Like, man, I've just, uh, I've just... <sighs> that makes sense. But, but are you, what are you what doing you for, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... that's so that, I'm really that looking into it. Like, I'm thinking sense. this is actually, this is actually going to be so much less stressful and, and it so much sounds like you secure. have to get that 15,000 people off of Facebook and into your email list. Obviously. Yeah. But how do I do that? Like, I've, uh, uh, there's a lot of ways. Um, but, but yeah, that's what I have to do. What's the I'm, bait? What's the what's bait? The bait? Well, well, at the moment I've got like, well, I've tried to an email newsletter. Yeah, I've tried. I've, I've got, yeah, an email newsletter. I've, I've got like a PDF at the moment called like the most common English mistakes you know, in Taiwan, like what that Taiwanese speakers make that has done. Okay. I've got about a hundred new, like a hundred, like I've just posted on Facebook with like a click through to a MailChimp squeeze page and I've had probably a hundred people sign up. So it's, it's all right, but it's not 15,000. You know, I know I'll never reach those 15,000. This is why it's not, it's, it's, it's like, I never take that number very seriously. Um, but, uh, you know, I could, direct message everyone that I direct messaged about this course and it said, say, Hey, do you want this free ebook? Just, you know, click here. And, and like, that would be a way to get a lot more people to that squeeze page. So I could do that in the hey, interim. You know, what's, what's also part of the problem here is why that, you know, so-called delivery rate is so low on Facebook is that I subscribe to maybe five, you know, five email subscriptions. Right. But I follow like, 60 people on I follow like a thousand people on Twitter and uh, I don't know like maybe 60 brands on Facebook and Instagram and stuff but only five on email five like yeah. the because otherwise my email list gets so cluttered so that's, that's why true. Facebook needs and the old social media needs this this um, you know algorithm so it's, yeah. it's a much more exclusive position on email as well Totally, totally. I like the. You really have to that. work hard to get an e an email to to yeah to be to come from. So to, to so become one of those five brands or so. It'd be good to know the average number. 
that each person has in their email. That's right. That's right. That'd be a really good number to have. So I'm, I've got a couple of ideas. Okay. So listeners, if you have any feedback, please, please leave a comment or, or, or what not and, and tell me which one you think is good. I mean, first of all, I will obviously keep trying to push that, that lead magnet, that free, free PDF, which I keep adding to keep growing out. It's going to become like a mini ebook. Yes. So yeah, I could do that. Also, I've got a new idea of using, okay, I've got another uh, vocab course in the pipeline. It's, it's on its way. What I'm thinking is doing one of those like crazy, crazy deals. Like it should be like 500 NT, right? Which is like $30 or something like that's the regular price. I might just make it like $3 for a day or something, but to know it's going to be like a secret sale to know when that day is to know when it's going to be $3 you got to join the mailing list so that you will get notified in your inbox like when we go on sale for the crazy $3 bargain deal. So I can post that on Facebook and get people's emails who are even just thinking about I've buying the course. Someone doing that before, but okay. Yeah, yeah it's like, a, it's what they call like a tripwire. It's a new like one. Like a trip. Yeah, no, we, we, they, we, they, Christian covered that in that course. Remember there was like a tripwire um, deal? The thinking with the tripwire is that people no, are much but, more likely... Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. The thinking is people are much more likely to buy from you once they've bought once. So even if they just buy a tiny, like buy something really, really small from you, that will prime them to buy much, much larger items from you in the future. So this is kind of like a lead magnet with a tripwire, uh, sort of combined together. So there's that idea. I've got another idea, which is hosting a summit, a virtual summit. Apparently, this is how like uh, the author of of Dot Com Secrets and a whole bunch of other like really big people in, in, in the online marketing space, like how they built their lists right at the get-go, is they did virtual summits. So do you know what the hell I'm talking about? Because I didn't know about this till last week. No, please let me know. Please, yeah. So virtual summits, so anyone out there who really wants to grow this list, like try this, okay. So virtual summits is like, okay, I contact like all these other big names or all these people with larger followings than me in my space, in my niche, and say, we're going to host a summit. Uh, do you want to get involved and like speak about whatever you want to speak about in your, you know, talk with me and we're going to make it available, all this content available from the, from the summit to everyone who joins in the summit for like three or four days. And then can you promote it to your list? And then, so if the person's like, yeah, okay, I'm up for it. Now I still haven't quite figured out exactly what, your guest stands to gain other than maybe networking effects with other people in the space. But anyway, this is sort of what happens is, okay, so say there's this guy, someone else in the English teaching space or whatever, who's got like, I don't know, 40,000, 50,000 people on an emailing list. I then get him or her to have like a Zoom or Skype call with me. We record it, we save it, and we talk about something in the, in the space. So we talk about like, I don't know, what Taiwanese really need to do to really improve their English or something that like our customers really want to, to hear content that people really want to know about. And then we po we like host that on like Vimeo or something on like a separate, uh, private site for like three or four days. And it's exclusive to everyone who's signed up for the summit beforehand. So there's a squeeze page for the summit where you enter your email and you're going to get access to these videos that we 
record together. So it's sort of like a virtual version of buying a ticket to go along to one of those like big conferences, right? That's the idea. And so yeah. that way you get all these other like big names in your space. They agree. You just interview them. You just interview them on like what, and I'm really good at interviewing. That's no problem. I, I, I can do that in English or Chinese. And I interview them, ask them like, you know, what they want to talk about. And we talk about it together. I record it all on zoom, which I'm very, you know, I'm all over that. There's, there's no issue. I post it and yeah, all the people who signed up get all this content that they want and I get all their emails. So apparently like this is a lot of like, if you listen to, um, the author of dotcom secrets, like his podcast, like he talked, spoke about how he started doing this, uh, at the beginning and that got him like his first like 10,000 subscribers on his email list, like within a few weeks. So that's like a real way to like catapult your, your, your list at the very get go. So I'm really thinking of trying that as well. Um, and then finally, the other real thing I'm thinking is, is, um, you know, early parrot and the referral program, which I think would be great, but I'm not sure if I can really fork out 125 euros <laughs> at this stage. So I'm thinking maybe that is going to be what I try after I've got like five, 10, 15,000 subscribers on my mailing list. And I can really, I can really say that this is going to be worth it. That, you know, that this mailing list will really make a big return on investment you know, in the future. So let's, okay, let's It really depends on how much you're willing to pay to get an extra customer, isn't it? Totally, exactly. If you're willing to pay tons, then we'll, yes, if you've got these, you know, products that are really high markup, then we'll, uh, high value products, then it may be worth it. But yeah, if you're just selling little things, um, then uh, yeah, then your cost per, cost to per acquire a customer yeah. is just, you can't afford it. Yeah. So those are sort of the ways I'm thinking of, of how to how to grow the list at this stage. But regardless, I think the list growing, list growing is like number one priority now. Uh, and I think after I, after I figure out this sort of, this mess with Claire, cause it is sort of becoming a bit of a mess. After I figure this out and figure out what on earth I'm going to do with this course, uh, then, then yeah, I think the may, the, the, the email list building is, is going to be the number one priority and keep things simple. You know, I, I've got lots of other things going on. You know, I'm going back to school next week, which is going to be awesome. So excited. I got into a, a, a subject that I really want to do called like regionalization. Um, so I was just reading the readings for, for that, um, that that elective last night and oh mm. so awesome so you know That's i really i good. yeah i won't have all my attention to won't be able to devote my everything my whole self to this uh, business all the time for the next six months or so like i have been recently so probably that is probably a good thing because i really think at this stage if i simplify things just focus on the mailing list and and uh keeping the classes and all of that fairly simple, uh, you know, then I think, I think, uh, that will, that will eventually pay off, you know, down the line. But I think at the moment, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's time to sort of take a step back, simplify things a little bit and, uh, yeah, recalibrate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's me this week. Yeah. So, um, anything else from your end, buddy? No, mate. That's that's everything for me too. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Well, listeners, if you have any thoughts, any uh, questions, don't forget to leave a comment. We'd love to get a uh, review as well on the podcast app. We're really holding out for that one. So if you'd be so kind, that would be wonderful if you could leave leave a review and a comment. And we'll catch you next week. All right. See you next week, guys. Okay. See you, buddy. Have a good one. See you, Liam. Bye.